There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Welcome back to our What's So Funny series. And you know what's funny? Vampires? Uh, well, what is it about them that fascinates us so? We've seen them fly. We've seen them become hideous monsters. We've seen them use guns while wearing skin-tight final body suits. Body. body. We've seen them sparkle and mope and drive <laughs> Volvos. But... Have we ever seen them disco dance? Uh. Well, we have now! 1979 was quite a year for vampire movies, and of all the vampire movies of 1979, Love at First Bite is without question one of them. Probably the most intentionally funny Dracula movie of all time. The film has George Hamilton, Artie Johnson, Susan St. James, Dick Sean, and a capeload of ethnic stereotypes. So what could possibly go wrong i'm your host count maxilla and with me is my faithful thrall mike field say something fawning and obsequious mike field <laughs> terrible beatings all around oh good but before we get to this one we've got to deal with Poll question so last week, we asked you a question that we asked you that we thought of entirely on our own without any help from Adam Mark or anyone named Adam Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. He asked us, and we asked you, what movie has the best final or ending scene? And you had thoughts. Did we? Seth Jacobs oh. says, Planet of the Apes. I... Please tell me you mean the original. <laughs> no, I'm saying not the, what was it, Tim Burton one <clears throat> with Marky Mark. Oh, no. You know, Wait, does Marky Mark die the, at the end of that? That'd be a good ending. It was kind of implied, but no. Oh. Yeah. Jamie Kleinert says, Snatch. Hey, language. <laughs> the ending does such a great job of bringing everything back to the beginning. Of course, it's been several years since I watched it, so maybe I'm not remembering the exact final scene correctly. Each character slash group has its own ending, it seems. Tyler Stewart says, I confess, I do like the end of Some Like It Hot. I don't see why that's a confession. But <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean also has a good final scene. Mm. It does? Uh, yeah, it kind of does. What is it? You know, the end, where they leave. <laughs> now, that's, you know, the one where Jack and uh, Will are about to be executed, and they make a big uh, exit, and Jack sails off on the Black Pearl. Uh, it's actually pretty, it's pretty, it's okay. I just forgot. Uh, AJ, I'm sorry, I'm going to get his James. name wrong. Sheems? Sheems, thank you. Whiplash. The last 20 minutes of that movie are incredible to me. Great movie, but even better ending finals or final scene. Hmm. Huh, I've never seen it. George Saulnier says, three films come to mind. Okay. Oh, 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 I probably should tell you what they are. Yes, you probably should. Because I watch too many movies. There is no such thing, George. There is no such thing. We wouldn't have a show if you didn't. <laughs> 2001, A Space Odessa. I assume he means Space Odyssey. Although, I would watch A Space Odessa. That sounds kind of cool. Would the you? Seventh Seal, and It's a Wonderful Life. Ooh, good ones mm. all around. Pete Krychek, The Usual Suspect. Oh, yeah. I didn't see it coming, and the final reveal hit me perfectly. Yeah, mm. me too. See our entire episode on The, on the Usual Suspect. Yep. Rogue One. Really? Realizing where the movie was ending in the overall Star Wars timeline was mind-blowing. Okay. Uh, Toy Story 3, so long, partner. Crying. Yeah. I didn't. Shut up. Totally did. did. Totally, totally did. I did not shut up. I can still hear it. <laughs> okay, I sobbed like a little girl. Anyway. <laughs> or a little boy. It, yeah, Pete's got uh, quite a few here, actually. Yeah. The, Gone with the Wind. Oh, I was too young when I first saw it. Eight, ten. Yeah, that's too young. But even at that age, my reaction to, frankly, my dear, was still, damn! <laughs> the Sword of Doom. Oh. I don't know that one. Japanese I can, film. I can, I can still hear the audience counting out loud as Ryunsuke just cuts his way through everyone and everything, ending in that freeze frame. Oof. Oh. Okay. The Iron Giant. All the parts mm -hmm. hopping through the snow gave us the happy ending we were hoping for. Yeah. yeah. 
Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the Ark being pushed into that massive warehouse, Chef's Kiss. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Even you can wear the mask. Yeah. Right in the feels for me. Yep. Thelma and Louise. I mean, if you're going to go out... (laughs) Let's just go. Yeah. Well, thank you, Pete. Dave! Dave. I am am not particularly critical of endings. Oddly, I'm a sucker for the happy ending. Mm. Something simple like the end of uh, Shall We Dance, where Fred and Ginger just sing... They all said we'd never get together, but ho, 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 who's got the laugh now? last laugh now does me just fine. I also like Butch Cassidy or Thelma and Louise going out in a blaze of glory style ending. Yeah. Mm, neat. Cool. I thought Dave was going to say, no, I don't really like endings, but if I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can always, yeah, Dave usually surprises us. Yeah. Yes, Dr. Professor Rebecca Pelkey says, get out. Well... Okay, jeez. Finally, it took I one thought, of our listeners to get you to leave. Wow. All right, I'll just, I'll just go. Next on Mike <laughs> Movies, it's going to be... <laughs> yes, get Out has a super satisfying ending. There was an alternate end that was more realistic, but I'm glad Peel made the choice he did. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. Didn't see it. Adam Mark decided to answer his own question. Well, he should. It was a tough I question. I love endings <laughs> that denote possibility and not finality. There's a road ahead still to go, and only the viewer's imagination can take them there. Hmm. My favorite, Out of Sight. With Jennifer Lopez as a cop and George Clooney as a master thief, they spend the film as investigator-slash-thief rivals and also passionate lovers at first, unaware of their respective professions. It's a cat-and-mouse thing, shifting alliances and the drama of whether they fulfill their professional passions or their hearts. In the end, Lopez captures Clooney despite her feelings and upholds her law enforcement duty. In the final scene, Clooney is shoved into a paddy wagon. <clears throat> I mean, a, 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 a we, we don't use that term around here, especially not in Boston. Why not? And um, uh, Because it's a refer- paddy wagon is a specific reference to what they used to haul Irish people away in. Oh, I thought it yeah, re- referenced the fact that there was a lot of Irish who were police. Yeah, that po- that's possible, but like originally, that <laughs> yeah, that one's better. And another arrestee, Samuel L. Jackson, in a two-minute cameo, joins him in just a minute and 30 seconds of amazing dialogue. Jack- Jackson reveals he's a longtime criminal who's broken out of prison nine times. Nine times. And, and that Lopez's character ensured his current prison transfer was held up a day, ensuring he'd ride with Clooney. Clooney smiles and says maybe she thought... We'd have a lot to talk about. Lopez sits in the front seat of the wagon, silent and also smiling. The end. It's just so perfect, clever, and elegantly short. It basically tells the viewer, your time with us is over, but the story does not end. You cannot watch this film that leave not not leave smiling. Hmm. Second place is The Terminator, 1984, with a gas station attendant. Oh, okay. yeah. Wow. The photo. Yeah. There's a storm coming. <laughs> Balcoons, who who cues footsteps with the best of them. Ding. Uh, there are lots, but I'm going to go with Casablanca. Well, sure. Yeah. The ending is anything but the end. It's somehow satisfying, though, and leaves the viewer to imagine what happens next. Yeah. Keeping up with Adam's theme. Mm. Ursula Murray Husted says, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, when both worlds come together triumphantly. Same for Big Fish. Mike Dan says, Buckaroo Banzai. Just the most recent example of a good end scene. Reminded me of Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Okay, there's a comparison I wouldn't have made. Interesting. Well, and Louise just saw Buckaroo Banzai. Somebody happened to be over his house, and they were flipping through Uh. movies and had said, Hey, you know, there's this movie. And I honestly didn't think he liked it, but he loved it. (laughs) I mean, some person did. (laughs) Very con- yeah, nice fooling people. Well done. Very, very, I learned from the very best. deceptive. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Regan McStravick, there's nobody gonna mention Doctor Strangelove? Come on. Yeah, good point. Well, I'd like to insert a Yee If I may. We must we must avoid a mine shaft gap. Usual suspects is great. Dust Boat was pretty gutsy. How many films end with everybody getting killed? Spoiler. Blah blah blah. The blah, end blah, blah, of blah, blah, Don't blah, blah, Look blah, blah, Up was <laughs> was pretty hilarious. Yes, it was. <laughs> yep. I See, should probably mention our episode on Don't Look Up. Didn't we cover that? Yep. yep. Yes, we did. 
I should probably mention one of, and he has this in quotes, my films. Yes, he works, he's a cinematographer. Oh, okay. Safety not guaranteed. Every screening I went to of that film, the audience stood up and cheered for the ending. So that was fun. Very cool. Yeah. Kelly Cooper says, this is going to sound silly, but hear me out. From dusk till dawn. My God, how silly. (laughs) Ha ha, silly. The final pullback when we see the back of the club is a temple with centuries of stolen and discarded stuff piled around it dramatically opens up the whole reality created by the movie. It just utterly inspired my imagination in a way that doesn't happen very often. I don't see anything silly there. That sounds cool. And I've never seen it. Nick Hoffman said, The end of Braveheart always gets me. There's a certain sense of callback to an earlier part of the story, the defiance and the way Horner's score mixes orchestral and pipe themes. Hmm. Is that where they first invent haggis? I think it is. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> and they, they eat it out of a bagpipe. Mm. Agatha Gasparoni says it might be basic, but Fight Club. That's not Ooh. basic. Well, ah. who wouldn't like to see their wow. entire credit card debt just demolished in one big bomb? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oops, spoiler! (laughs) Roland Hardy says, a super sad movie ending, The Notebook. Or the ending was the beginning of noir film, Double Indemnity. Oh, yeah, Sierra and Terrell episode on Double Indemnity. It's hard to say. Derek Steele, Private Eye. No, he's a photographer. (laughs) Not with that name, he's not. Yes, he is! It's my head cannon, and you should respect it. Well, just blow it off, would you? (laughs) I'll have to go typical. Godfather Part 1. Ooh, the metamorphosis of the young Michael Corleone is complete as the film ends during the final symphony of happening. Yep, he's, that's a beauty. He's got a point. He, what point? How should I know? My head hurts. <laughs> Charles Forsythe says, The Mist. Ooh, boy. <laughs> I have seen that. Both the Stephen King book and Frank Darabont film tell the story of a strange mist that spreads out over the countryside. The mist is filled with lethal, nightmarish monsters. Most of the story takes place in a grocery store where a random group of strangers fight to stay alive and squabble among themselves. After that, a remaining group drives into the mist where they witness a gargantuan creature striding across the landscape. The book ends there. We don't know what happens to the people in the car, but their future looks grim. For the movie, Frank Darabont wrote an end that was so brilliant... Stephen King said he was mad at himself for not thinking of it. Dang. On the, on the DVD release, Darabont included a black and white version of the film which makes the which works much better than the color version. Oh. It ends up being the like the best 1960s monster movie ever made. Huh. Now oh. I kind of want to see the black and white one. I've never seen it at yeah. all. I've oh. seen it and he's right. The uh, the movie ending is much more powerful than the book. Have you read the book too? I have. It's a short story, I think. Oh, you know, I, real quick. Now that you mentioned that, sometimes, oftentimes, the best adaptations are not from novels; they're from short stories because yeah. you've got room yeah. to play. Yep, and you don't have to worry about what to cut out, what to cut out. I'm going to go with um, my my favorite is probably um, Brokeback Mountain. I think it's a oh, sixty page okay. novella. Ah, so anyway, that's a good example. Chrissy Becker Krenitsky says. I know I'm too late. No, you're not. But I just finished watching a movie with a great ending, Run. It's a Hulu original with Sarah Paulson. Really solid last scene for a thriller with a great last line. I do not know anything about that. I don't either. Neat. And Richard Tatum, inventor of the Tatum, (laughs) comes in with another vote for The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Gorgeous and magical. And... From the Tatum-free Great White North. Now, wait, wait, wait. Before you get up there, you may no longer say inventor of the Tatum unless you can tell me what the Tatum is. It's the small flanged piece of metal underneath the tailpipe in all all Japanese cars. Tatum, huh? Yep. Japanese word meaning small piece of metal attached to the tailpipe of all cars made in Japan. No, it's because he's, he's the inventor, so they used his name. Uh huh. I think I'll and go look can, that up I, right I now, you to dear prove me internet. <laughs> <laughs> if I may continue, uh, we'll see. From the great snowy Tatum Free North, <laughs> we have Vince, Master of Penguins, saying so many great endings to choose from: Sunset Boulevard. Oh mm. yes, your episode blah, blah, on blah, that. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> 
1978 Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but true to form and to the consternation of everyone, I find the end of Aguirre Wrath of God perfect. Of course, Werner Flippin' Herzog. (laughs) Klaus Kinski is alone on a raft yelling at monkeys about how he is going to conquer South America and create a master race with his now-dead daughter until the raft... He is on turns of bend and is never to be seen or heard again. Because flying monkeys is funny. <laughs> the landscape swallows him. And then he he added, good heavens, I forgot the end of the original King Kong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. When their conch die, nobody a cry. But when my <laughs> conch die. That's the original. <laughs> <laughs> that's the Dino de horrendous version. Oh, well, you know. Close but to these, the thing. Man, these were some superb answers. Yeah, yeah double And fans. a really good question that... I totally thought of not Adam. Um, thank you, Adam. Mark, that was a great question. Was, but uh, Mike, what what about you? What's your uh, what movie to you has the best closing scene ending? Uh, I'm gonna go with Brazil. No, I'm not. Oh, <laughs> now here's the thing: which uh, ending is yeah. it? The one, the, the major release, or the one that that Gilliam really wanted, which is exceedingly depressing. It's it really is. That's the only one I've ever seen, so I don't know yeah. the happy ending one. Uh, mm. No, I got to go with Usual Suspects. That uh, film just—I did not know what was coming. I had no clue. I was taken in happily. I love being taken in by something clever. And just watching the performance, just watching the subtle way that the reveal is done pretty much at the very end of the film, I am right there with Charles Palmentary. What's his name? Um, Uh, Chaz Chaz, Chaz Chaz Palmentary, yeah. I was just like, uh, wait, what? (laughs) And And we, the people I saw that with, when we left the theater, we stood in the parking lot and talked about it for two hours afterwards. Wow. And I have not been to a film that was that, I don't know, exciting since then. So I, I got to go with that. Sure, Casablanca. You know, absolutely. But mm. I don't know. I I fell for, for Usual Suspects, and I'm happy I did so. How about you, though? Mm. I, I would Part of it, I would go with Some Like It Hot. I, I agree with that one. Uh, I just love the final exchange between Jack Lemmon and Joey Brown. The whole thing, not just the last line. You know, I I used to live with a musician. I forgive you. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody's perfect. And that, and oddly enough, the Lost Boys. Why the Lost Boys? Mostly for the final line. But I love, also it has stars, you know, or the final line, the final saving the day is done by my close personal friend, Bernard Hughes. Who I met once when I was twelve. Ooh, I like to from being Bob Newhart's dad on the Bob Newhart show. Yeah, yeah. He also had his own sitcom called Doc for years. Oh, but mm-hmm. but uh, I just love that final line. That's the problem with living in Santa Clara. All the damn vampires. Didn't he play a character named Merlin on something? Yes, he was did. Mister Merlin. I think it was. Oh boy! Okay. Yeah, he's he shows up in a lot of strange places. He's a judge in Oh God with George Burns. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I I think there are again Casablanca's ending is wonderful. Usual Suspects is terrific, but I would go with those two. Cool. But these were terrific answers, and uh, we want more, more answers to what? Our hunger is insatiable. And speaking of insatiable hunger, inspired a little by this week's movie, what is your favorite vampire movie oh. of any era? Just in general, what's your favorite, just, I could watch this many times, vampire movie? I hunger. Mm. <laughs> Wait, that that's uh, Sinistar. That's not a vampire. <laughs> run, human. <laughs> run, I thought it was run, run, run. I thought it was Run Coward. Is it no, run it was human? Run Coward, yeah. Okay. It's important. <laughs> but You yeah. never played it. I did. Did you? I just... Well, yes, I would play for like 15 seconds because I would lose almost immediately. Mostly I watched other people play it. Yeah. But, yeah, answer that question. Oh, how are they going to do that, though? It's a secret. No, it isn't. You're going to tell me. Which I will reveal at the end of the show. See? (laughs) It's not even a secret. That'll keep them them engaged. Uh Uh-huh. But now we move to... The Facts. Budget. $3 $3 million. Wow. 1979. Box office. How much do you think it made? Unfortunately, I know. Oh, okay. It $44 <laughs> <million>. <laughs> This was the 13th top grossing film of 79. And for years, this movie, Love at First Bite, 
held the record as the highest grossing independent film of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hard to believe. Well, we'll get to that. For his role as Renfield, Artie Johnson, for those of you, and I did not know this when I first saw the movie, because I had never seen the Bela Lugosi Dracula when I saw this movie. Artie Johnson's doing a dead-on impression of Dwight Fry's version of Renfield, especially the laugh from the universal version of Dracula, the 1931. Mm. Speaking of the 1931 Dracula, if you'd like to listen to our entire episode, mm. which was, believe it or not, episode 48, quite Oof. a while ago, we took on Dracula 31, 79, yep. and 92. The opening line of the movie, Children of the Night, shut up! is a direct shot at the Bela Lugosi's, you know, Children of the Night, what music they make. Blah. Ah, exquisite. Dick Sean, who plays Lieutenant Ferguson, would later play Count Dracula in the sitcom Mr. and Mrs. Dracula. 1980. Uh, I think it kidding. lasted an episode. <laughs> if he if he is seems familiar, I did not. I had to look this up. It's the two things I know him from. He's in the producers, the original producers. He plays LSD, oh, of course the guy who plays Hitler. Right. He is also the voice of Snow Miser from Year Without a Santa Claus. Ah. Uh. <laughs> the theatrical release of this movie was known for the signature song played during the disco sequence. The disco classic, and yes it was, I Love the Nightlife by Alicia Bridges. I've got to boogie. <laughs> On the disco, raha ha ha Oh yeah. Mm. <laughs> Due to licensing issues, the song has been removed from most TV broadcasts and all DVD transfers, and replaced by a different, inferior song called the cover version of The Man That I Love. Hmm. The Bridges song is still listed in the closing credits, and it's also heard in the original trailer when it's ex excerpted no less than three times. <laughs> Fans of the song and the movie worldwide have been furious about its <laughs> removal from the DVD release. I'm furious! I don't believe this! <laughs> Fortunately... <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I Love the Nightlife was restored for the Region 1 Blu-ray released by the Shout Factory in 2015. Also known as one Phew. of the only ways you can watch this. Yeah. Yeah, this movie is not easy to find. Nope. But a sequel, Love at Second Bite, was touted but never mm. materialized. In 2009, after the popularity <laughs> of the... Uh, say it! Just Twilight say it. <laughs> series of novels... <laughs> George Hamilton himself said of a proposed sequel, Matrimony, Love at Second Bite. It's terrific. It's all about old world school of Dracula. It's his words. Mm. In the Bela Lugosi 1940s, 30s, yeah. up against, he was pretty old at this point, mm. up against the Twilight felons with humor. It's hard to do, but it's great fun. I think Twilight is a wonderful series of books, and it's so it's so important for these young girls with hormonal changes and this and this love that's worth giving your life for. Yeah, that's not. But now I have to find find a way to bring my love it for. Oh, good! I'm, no, I can't. I can't read anymore. <laughs> Because you know what I want to see? I want to see George Hamilton, age 80, whatever, on screen next to Robert Pattinson, both of them sparkling like jewels. Yes. <laughs> uh, this movie is Sherman Hemsley's film debut. George Jefferson is in this movie as a clergyman. Yeah. He does the same thing in American Pie Presents the Book of Love. Yeah. And he played a clergyman on the sitcom Amen. Yay. This movie was one of five, count them, five Dracula movies <laughs> released around 1979. Mm. Dracula, the Frank Langella movie. It's your episode. Nosferatu, the vampire. Love at first bite. Nocturna. And, of course, Dracula blows his cool. Which we all remember. Wait, wait, what? Also, in 1979, we had the vampire movies Thirst and Salem's Lot. So, 79 was a big year of the old throat biters. I wonder why. I don't know. I, I'm thinking it was Langella's Dracula. Yeah, but they don't. Which have to was be inspired mean. by the stage show, which mm. had been going on for years. So I think the popularity of the Broadway show might have done it. Mm, I can see that because otherwise they're all being made at the same time. Yeah, the scene where Dracula encounters the Black Street Thugs 
is a parody of the film Scream, Blackula, Scream oh. from 1973, where Dracula, excuse me, encounters the street thug. Good old Richard Marshall. I am great. You're great. <laughs> In one scene, Dr. Jeffrey Rosenberg, or Van Helsing, if you will, Richard, Richard Benjamin sketches a drawing of Dracula, Dracula and headlines it, Dracula Sucks. Dracula Sucks is a real movie. It had come out the year before, and it's a porn film. Uh-oh. Yes. Uh-oh. There is some contention that this movie is a ripoff of a 1971 low-budget movie called Guess What Happened to Count Dracula. I did a little looking into it. I couldn't get myself to watch it, because I've seen a couple of clips, and... Oh, boy. This makes this look like Avatar in terms of the effects. I will hurt you. Yes. We don't mention that movie ever. <laughs> Regardless, mainly because, well, it, there is a vampire in it, and he does end up in a disco, although his he is the son of Dracula named Adrian. <laughs> I'm not sh Yes. <laughs> sure. Yo, Adrian, I will call you Adrian. Yeah. Okay. Uh, look into it. it. It's interesting, but... Uh, Unless you know any, you had any uh, trivia about this? No. Well, let's get to the plot. Good evening. It's the 1970s. Wow, is it ever the 70s? Oh, boy. And Count Dracula, ironically played by George Hamilton, one of the tannest white people ever, finds himself driven from his ancestral castle by that most terrible of forces, Soviet-style bureaucracy. Ooh. So he and his faithful servant Redenfield head to the next logical place. New York City! <laughs> sure, why not? Dracula is obsessed with an American fashion model, Cindy Sondheim, who he sort of believes is the reincarnation of the spirit of his great love? It's not entirely clear. In New York, Dracula and Renfield must deal with culture shock, problematic racial stereotypes, and that most dreaded of forces... Disco. <laughs> it's the devil music. Yep. Dracula finds and charms Cindy Sondheim, but must contend with her therapist boyfriend, ooh, awkward, uh -oh. Dr. Rosenberg, a.k.a. Dr. Van Helsing. Will the Dark Prince prevail and give Cindy the three bites needed to turn her very quickly into a vampire? <laughs> like him? Why is Dracula so careful about not killing people? And did people in the 1970s really find Richard Benjamin funny? Let's find out. The film. So, did you see this when it came out? Um, please don't take my silence as a lack of admission. I don't remember. <laughs> Yeah. I think I so. I think I we didn't did. see it in the theater. I think I'm almost positive I saw it on an ancient scroll called a videotape cassette. No, I think we did. I was 14, and we went and saw uh, just about everything at that point. Oh, we, okay. There was somebody in the neighborhood who had a license, and we would, um, shall we say, not tell our parents that we were going <laughs> off with her because they wouldn't want us Ooh. going out driving with a 16 year old or 17 year old down oh. to the Waltham <laughs> Cinema. Two cinemas, yeah. but you only get to use one. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I did. Okay. Yeah. Nope. I, I waited for the VHS tape, I'm pretty sure. Mm. By the way, was it just me, or when we see Dracula's castle in the opening shot... Nice painting, isn't it? It, it looked exactly like the castle you see in the dream sequences on Gilligan's Island. No. No, 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 no. Okay. No. All right. That's what, that's that what I thought. That was somehow a real castle. I don't know where it was, but this was a painting. A very okay. much a painting. Not a ah, good painting, yes. but it was a painting. Although, to be fair, <laughs> I had to watch this on YouTube because I didn't have a way of renting it. And uh, shall we say the quality of the transfer is... Um, yeah, less than stellar. I think it was actually better on VHS. Ooh. <laughs> so let's Ouch. get that out. It might have looked better if it was on the Blu-ray. Yeah. But so, yeah. I mean, I got to I got to say the initial the joke of having George Hamilton play Dracula is still holds up at least for me 
because I remember who George Hamilton is. I'm guessing a lot of our our listener doesn't. <laughs> well, I think our listener, well, to be fair, there's two people I know that definitely listen every week, and that's Val and Vince. After that, I know yep. people come and go talking of okay, Michelangelo, they would, and yeah. they would both know who he was. They would know, yeah. Um, they, I mean, Doonesbury used to refer to him as Tan Master Hamilton. Well, here's the thing. I went looking because it's like, all right, so what was he? I know we all made fun of him because he was tan and that was a thing. And he'd show up on mm-hmm. Johnny Carson and Carson would talk about him being tan and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I actually never noticed that he was very that very darkly tanned. He was just not pasty all the time, mm-hmm. no matter what. I was like, what was he really famous for? Honestly, it's for being tan. He yeah. didn't really do a lot. <laughs> no, he, he showed up. He They tried to make him a heartthrob, mm. but that didn't work. No. This was like one of his first attempts at comedy. He did another spoof within like a year of Zorro the Gay Blade. Yeah, get it? Which I don't believe was nearly as successful. No. And I think he then went quietly back to daytime TV or whatever he would do, doc shows. Yeah. Mostly, I think he like was he would guest star. He was like a professional guest star. He'd be on the Love Boat and Columbo, Fantasy Island, and Columbo. And, mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. He was on Columbo. Yes, wasn't he was. He? Mm. Yeah, I, I beyond that, I don't. He was mostly a TV actor. He did a few movies, but he he was a second string. Well, since you brought him up, and we mm-hmm. usually go there, do you want to the go cast. through the castle? What do you think yeah, of him in this? I think he's having a lot of fun, and it shows. Yeah, the accent is over the top, but it's supposed to be. I mean, so was Bella Lugosi's, and it was oh, his yeah. real accent. <laughs> uh, oddly, surprisingly, I think he does fine. I think his comic timing is decent. He's not hes not a comedian. You can no. tell. And it's interesting how that can sometimes work and sometimes not. For certain people that have been spending their entire careers as le- leading men, I'm going to go with Leslie Nielsen, the, mm. that, him in, in, in Airplane was such a 180 because he was always yeah. deadly serious yep. and, you know, the good-looking, thick-jawed hero, blah, blah, blah. And suddenly he's doing this, like, almost slapstick comedy and was brilliant at it. Yeah. With George Hamilton, we don't have as much... To see that contrast with, because he mostly yeah. just tanned. Just sort of there. I don't, I'm surprised you didn't uh, bring this up in the trivia. You know, the reason mm-hmm. this movie was made was literally because George oh, Hamilton yeah. was sitting around the pool with his <laughs> friends doing Bella Lugosi impersonations. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where this came from. Ah, ah, ah. Uh, <laughs> I think he's fine. Um one of the worst vampires ever, and I say that because there is literally no terror with him. He's not frightening. No. I mean, at times he can be—he can sort of be impressive. He gets thrown out of his castle by a bureaucrat. That's the other thing. There were three people. He couldn't just hypnotize them and say, "You, you couldn't find me. You, you decided this was a bad spot spot to do this." He doesn't even try. No, like he's like, he's, oh no, what will I ever do? I must go to New York instead. Okay. I mean, I, I do like the line, I think they're from the government, Master. How do you know? They're wearing shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I, well, I, you know, a little kind of mean to the Romanians in this movie, but sure. Yeah, he's okay. You know, yeah, I, th- I think he's, you think he does a decent job, better than he should be able to do, quite honestly. I guess, again, I don't really know him from anything else except an episode of Columbo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm. um, I got to go with the next one, Susan St. James. I'm like, yeah. why do I know that name? It's like, oh, this blonde actor, I don't know. Not, not well, ringing she's not any bells. blonde. Well, that's what did it. And it's like, later, it's like, wait a minute, wasn't she Mrs. McMillan from McMillan yes, and Wife? Yes, she was. And yes, she was. She's done, she's done a ton of stuff. Movies and lots of movies, lots of t- lots of TV. Yeah, she was on Kate and Alley, which was a sitcom that was incredibly successful. Which we had Ran the very good time. sense of hiring Jane Curtin. Yes, poor Jane. Actually, she didn't get a lot to do after. What Saturday a Live. what a waste. Yeah, you know. So here's the thing about Cindy Sondheim because there's yeah. a name that sounds real. <laughs> I actually kind of like her character. 
Yeah. The reason I she's like her... She's very likable. The, well, the reason I like her is she's not only very independent, she's very non-repentant about something that was usually a big problem for women characters, and that is the fact that she likes to sleep with men. Mm-hmm. And at one point, she talks about the fact that she... Yeah, I have to admit it, I am whoring. But she's not talking about the sex, she's talking about the advertising that she's yeah, posing the modeling. for. And she feels bad about that, which is like, I understand why you, that might feel that way. But I I love the fact that she's totally fine with I like to sleep with this guy and this guy I'm going to go home with this guy she's really kind of in charge of herself and that part I like later she sort of falls in love and says oh I would like to just you know be swept off your feet and we get into the traditional stereotypical Mm. women's role but up till that point she's just kind of like hey would uh, what would you like would you like part of a quaalude would you like would you like here's a joint i got for you boy there's a lot of drugs in the 70s yeah well yeah most of them are hers but yeah yeah. i mean she's offering him maui wowie that's like wow this is so friggin 70s yeah yeah so i you know it's not much but i actually liked the fact that she feels in charge of her own destiny and she's doing whatever she wants on her terms and doesn't care about what the traditional man side of things is maybe she's also in some ways very passive in this movie yeah i won't disagree but but she well she's she's a kind of a combination of scatterbrained and very tricky because she's she's well, of course, she's leading Richard Benjamin around, which honestly I don't think is that much of a trick. But I mean, we're yeah, t- not talking yeah. Doug Henning here, speaking nah, of the seventies. So but mm-hmm. I, I think I didn't recognize her, which I don't think she also had that much to do on McMillan and Wife. And to be fair, I haven't seen it since it was on originally. Um, yeah. But I think she does fine with what she's doing. Yeah. I think she does. Yep, I think she does a decent job. Speaking of I, Richard I, Benjamin, I, oh God, yeah, Richard Benjamin. He's one of those, God love him, he's trying, you know. But I don't, I never understood. I, I would watch him in TV shows. He was in a bunch of shows in yeah. the set, late 70s and early 80s. Like Quark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, science fiction comedy. Did not, you know, they forgot to put the funny in. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, because some of the ideas on that show were actually pretty funny. Yeah. It gave me the impression of not being a direct homage to a British science fiction show of any particular yeah. show, but it felt like it was kind of leaning that direction. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've but, never understood his appeal either. Mm. I actually think he's actually pretty right for this part because we're not supposed to like him. No, but we're also not, he's, he's sort of supposed to be bumbling, a little ineffectual, but also very whiny. He's very self-centered and never mind the, the whole premise of the immense violation of ethics that he's perpetuating in that he's sleeping with his, not just sleeping with his patient, they've been together for nine years. Yeah. But, I mean, I suppose you could um, you could excuse it by saying that she hasn't paid him. <laughs> well, just for the last year. Which shows that he's not cheap. No. And he can't commit. Um, I don't like him. But I actually think he plays the part pretty well because we're not really supposed to. Yeah, he's a good villain in the or bad guy in this because he's not really villainous. No. And this movie is lightweight. It's a comedy. Well, so he's not scary. He's not intimidating. And we'll get to that later because I do mm-hmm. want to come back to the story part of this. But yep. not my favorite actor, but I think yeah. that the part he's playing, he actually does pretty well yeah. at. He's decent casting. Artie Johnson, oh boy. I think is he. I think he's the funniest thing in here. Easily, I think anytime he's on screen and has it. If you and I sometimes I like to do this because um, it shows the level of commitment with an actor. If you're watching a scene and there's like say three or four actors in it and two of them are talking most of the time, they're the main things. If you stop and watch the ancillary actors and see what mm-hmm. they're doing. It's yeah. really cool. Cause some of them will do things that aren't distracting, but are still in character. And yep. that's Artie Johnson. He yes. Always doing little things with his hands or looking up, his you know, expression. Yes. Like his body in, language. Oh, my master. I love my master. He's always engaged. He's always with part of the scene. 
And he's not trying to steal focus, which is very cool. No, he's very much what he's playing. He is the the right hand man, the the second not in command, I suppose he's more like third. <laughs> but yeah. he's really going for it and he's got that perfect balance of really funny but not too funny. And you know, he's we get him from Laughing, and a lot of people have said that yep. this ha- this movie has Laughing style comedy. We'll get back to yeah. that too. And I think he's a perfect choice, and I think his choice of riffing on the original Renfield uh, Dwight in Fry, yes. was was really That's, well done. Especially the laugh. The laugh is just friggin' hilarious. Yes. Yeah. What about uh, Dick Sean as Lieutenant Ferguson? He's fine. Uh, he's yeah, there. He's sort of there. He doesn't re- near the end. He's yeah. like a cop, I guess. Yeah. He he does a fine. He does fine. Yeah. That's yeah. really that's the major cast. Yeah. I mean, we have Sherman Hemsley. Yeah, but he's in one scene, and we have Isabel Sanford, who's in one scene. I gotta say, Sherman there, it's not his fault, it's the writing. The joke he is setting up is so overdone and so telegraphed as to be, what is the antithesis of funny? Whatever that is, that's what that was. Yeah. He's throwing himself into it, I'll give him that. He is yelling for Wheezy and, you know, whatever. (laughs) But it's just... Yeah, it's it. Yeah, it's and, just painful. And Isabel Sanford is doing um, Isabel Sanford. She's doing yeah, but she's a little more vigorous than she than she sometimes is. And uh, the, uh, she does like well. We'll get to this. There are a lot of references to the uh, miniseries Roots in this movie. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yep. Um, I will say this is probably my favorite Barry Gordon or Michael Pataki film, though. Those are. <laughs> Barry Gordon, the guy who's selling flashlights. And he's been in everything. Like, when you see him, I didn't know his name, but it's like, oh, God, he's been... He's like, oh, it's that guy from that thing. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's really the major cast. And Mm -hmm. for the most part, they're fine. Yeah. Yeah. They do a good job. I'm going to go with fine, except for Artie Johnson. Artie Johnson. Artie Johnson is terrific, yes. But, yeah. What do you want to bring up next? Last night's beans? (laughs) (laughs) Did you find any of the lines funny? The dialogue. Now or then? Both. Yes. Okay. I'm not so going to you tell like you which. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> that's not what the show is about. That's giving things away. Uh, I still I think, the think problem there's is- a lot of... There's a lot of quotable stuff in this movie. Well, and partially because you and I have been quoting it for the last mm. 40 years. Most notably, Children of yeah. the Night, Shut Up, and the other big one, which is... I do not drink wine, and I do not smoke shit. Sorry, you're <laughs> going to have to bleep that. Yeah, I know. I like that. Maybe do it twice last week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, so there was another one, and I can't remember what the dang line was. There's another line in that we've been doing for years. Oh, and it's like, oh, yeah, it's from this. I can't remember what it is. Mm. So there's some quotable lines here. That That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I would say that because it's the 70s, as you said, boy, is it the 70s. Woof. And because this film was produced by our old pals at American International. <laughs> How can a film be American and international? <laughs> well, let's find, no, let's not. Yeah. It has a kind of cheapness to it, yeah. a kind of TV movie-ishness about it. It really does look like a made-for-TV movie, just in terms of the way the camera is used. Yeah. I mean, it's like, sit camera here, turn slowly. Well, our director, Stan Dragati, yeah. most probably known for Mr. Mom. Remember that? <laughs> No, I never saw that. That was uh, Michael. I Keaton. know that was Michael Keaton. Yeah. He has this, as this guy's a dad, but he stays at home and takes care of the kids. Oh, for fun! It's wacky. Probably his next best known film was The Man with One Red Shoe, which I never saw. Oh, I saw that. That was a remake of a French movie. Yeah, the French movie is really funny. The one, the American one, despite the fact it has Tom Hanks in it. Yeah, <laughs> and Dabney Coleman, and Charles and, Durning, and Carrie yeah. Fisher. Yeah, so, yeah, and and James Belushi. Oh, Jim <laughs> yeah. Belushi. Remember, it's Jim. Yeah, yeah, because that's Jim. funnier, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I he he feels very hmm workman like. Yeah. shall we? Yeah, say? it's pretty um, much all right. And set up joke, present joke, close joke, move oh. on to next joke. Hey, look, there's some action going on there. I'll just aim my camera at it. 
Yeah. yeah. Like, I've honestly seen better direction on TikTok, uh, which I know is not maybe very nice, but let's face it, it's kind of true. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So you brought up something earlier, and I would like to touch on this. You brought up that there's at least one, oh no, I think there's three, Roots mm-hmm. jokes. Roots, for anybody who oh, doesn't yeah. know, was actually a groundbreaking mm. Really this was a well big done. deal. It was a it was a maxi series. It was at least a week long. It was um, Haley. It was basically Haley's Alex del- Haley. Yeah, yeah, delving into his own family's past, starting with having his family dragged over here from Africa and being slaves, and how it eventually begat him. And it everybody watched this. Everybody. People stayed home from school to watch it. Even racists did. Like, everybody yeah. watched this. And it was amazingly well acted and amazingly well done. I think mm-hmm. they either redid it or are redoing it for reasons I don't understand. Mm. Um, this, I want to say it's the first time we saw LeVar Burton. Don't know. He plays a very major role in that yeah. show. James Earl Jones is in it. I yep. think he plays Alex Haley. And it was it was really a groundbreaking and amazing show. So th- mm. I'm really glad that they decided to make three roots jokes in <laughs> here because that's good. Well, it was it was a big part of the culture at the time, and this this film, a lot of it is a little is pretty dated because there are a lot of very time and culture specific references in it. Yeah. Well, at least it's racist, so there's that. <laughs> well, there is that because I mean, but uh, to let's be fair, be- we do have two black characters, one of whom's a judge, one of whom's a, a, a uh, priest. But the other black characters, of course, are just gang members, and they loot. Or petty thieves, yeah. Yeah. But to be fair, we also get anti-Semitic jokes, we we get Jewish stereotypes, and gay stereotypes. Yeah, but the gay stereotype, I think it's because of the print I was watching. I literally couldn't tell which person in the elevator was talking. I, mm. I got it. They were making fun of a gay person, but I'm like, who oh, is it? <laughs> but did you? There, there's also the thing that uh, Cindy says when she's complaining about her photographer. He's like, yeah, well, you know, he may be the best photographer in New York, but he's still a bitch. And Richard Benjamin says, you know, darling, remember? He says, I know, I know. They love in their way. Our love is. We love in our way. In by the 21st century, homosexuality will be the norm. Mm. Which it isn't. Yeah. Which it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be the norm, but it should be accepted. Uh, mm. I remember the other line. I don't know why we would have forgot this, but the other line that Max and I had been quoting incessantly yeah. since the 1979 was, come on, black chicken, come on, black oh, chicken. Oh, yes. <laughs> Which is a very, I mean, again, this is a dumb joke, but I always, I still laugh at it when Dracula is going around New York for the first time as a bat, and no one is intimidated by it. The first time he, he shows up in this couple, this is the first Jewish stereotype, the guy says, it's my ex-wife! Yeah. Get it, old bat. And then flies into a black-slash-Latino family. Yeah. And uh, They're they think he's a chicken. Yeah. A black chicken. Come here, but come back, black chicken! Yeah, because they're going to eat it. Um, yes. Worst bat effect since... Gilligan's Island. Oh, Lord. I was sitting there going, Ed Wood wouldn't do this. You know, I might even say that we had better flying effects in Birdemic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Terrible. Fortunately, they don't do it very often. Uh, They do it often enough. And of course, at the end, we get the two of them flapping off into the Mm. distance, the moonrise or whatever. In unison. Yeah, because, yeah. Um, so, hey, Dracula has powers. We all know his powers. You must yeah. remember that he's got the flower to disappear. Oh, no, wait, that's Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, he's got the power to turn into a Doberman. No, no, that's a thing. There's There have been uh, other versions where Dracula could turn turned, into a great dog. I think it's a wolf. I don't think it's a Doberman. It's been both. It's never been a Doberman before this. Probably not, but it can be a great hound. That's in one of the other books. It's not even that big. <laughs> Sorry, it's like a Doberman. Like, how about an, an Irish elk wolfhound or, you know, a mastiff or something? No, it's, Dobermans it's, are, were, are, or at least were associated with, you know, menace, and they were used as guard dogs and attack dogs. Yeah. Okay. They were supposed to be, they were scary, mostly because they were so inbred, they were all insane. Hey, how about that disco scene? Speaking of oh inbred and insane. Oh boy! Did that bring us back some haunting memories for you? I I was having hard ass flashbacks. I will not lie. Yeah, oh, disco. The outfits and and I do have to say I went and found on YouTube the original the uh, scene with I love the nightlife. 
That works so much better. Well, to be fair, if you had actually kept watching the, the YouTube version, the mm-hmm. preview for the film is at the end, and it has the song in it. Yeah, in scene. yeah, we, um, yeah the, I said in the trivia. Yeah. The, the sad thing is that um, when they're first going into the club, and this is because of the way people dressed at disco techs back then, mm-hmm. I thought it was a gay club. <laughs> I thought the- so, too. The bouncer was like... Yeah, because he says, I'm looking for someone. Aren't we all? And, like, all the guys are wearing these really tight polyester pants and these shiny shirts that are open to, like, you know, halfway. (laughs) Down to their navel. And quite honestly, when they're panning through the crowd, we don't see any women for quite a while. And I'm like, (laughs) I don't remember this being a gay Oh, no, it's just a disco. Well, same thing. Well, maybe that's why she Cindy Sondheim goes there every night. Maybe that's why she liked it, because it was a gay club and people wouldn't hit on her. Yeah, but they had that whole thing where it's like, oh, my table has a phone at it you know and i can talk yeah. to it whatever uh yeah the disco scene i really hated disco i really yeah really... i didn't think much of it some of the music i found catchy because you couldn't help it and they'd be- beat you up if you didn't yeah but uh yeah i like the dance sequence it always reminds me of one of the promo lines for that movie i remember seeing it in the trailer it was the one thing that really stood out was he can walk through walls he can turn into a bat but best of all, he can dance. Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess, he and can. he can. That that is in fact George Hamilton doing most of the dancing. Okay. But yeah, it's <laughs> the only thing I'll say about that sequence is it's reasonably short, and the original song is much better. Yeah, and that's about it. Although I do like the line where he's trying to introduce himself. I can give you eternal life. He says, "I knew it." An insurance salesman. Yeah, he like, does say yeah, that. It, yeah. The other thing that I, it strikes me is in the club and everywhere else, no one seems to think it's odd that there is a grown man walking around in white tie and tails and an opera cape. I don't. No rem- one comments on his clothing ever. I, no. Not it, until the very last. It being the seventies, though, I don't know that that's <laughs> as big oh, a deal come. as it would be to today. Well, no, I think s- they had lug- leisure tuxedos, did they? Well, no. The thing is, is that people still dressed up back then. Today, nobody dresses up for anything. So yeah. I don't know if it's as big a thing. I, I don't know. I don't remember. I try to blot as much of the seventies out of my memory as possible. <laughs> it was not a good time. It was it was the best of times. No, it was the worst of times. Um, I will say that it's interesting that this film is kind of more than just superficially. It's a reflection of its times. And I say mm-hmm. that because there was a lot of shallowness in the seventies and oh, most yeah. of the characters in here are pretty shallow. And I got to say, Cindy Sondheim is top of that list. Yeah. She, she, and again, part of it, I, I, I'm fine with It's like, Hey, she's, she's sexually mature. It's like, I like to have sex. I don't just don't want a commitment right now. And she's okay with that. As long as she's up front and she is. Cause when she brings Vlad home, she tells him basically, yeah, I'm not into this for like a boyfriend. I she just says, like this fun. is just physical. You yeah. know, I don't expect you to call, but it's, there is a definite shallow and cheapness part of which I think is because this is American international, but uh. also that's the times for those of us who are mm. in the seventies, especially the late seventies, things were pretty superficial. There was a yeah. lot of about the surface, very plastic, very polyester. Yeah, and it's those a, were really the materials of the seventies. And it's funny how some films can depict their time, take place in their time, and don't they don't stay universal in a certain way they're very much of their time and that's it you can't really divorce them from that and other films shot in their time representing their time mm-hmm. casablanca this isn't the problem we watch it we don't care it's the 40s it's still a film it's still a story that has resonance today we just don't have world war ii going on over there and yeah. we can get this out is of very culturally centered yeah, yeah. and it's it, it just struck me that that sometimes that happens and it's a big deal and sometimes it isn't and this time it's, yeah, you can't really pull the 70s. And also that shallowness is both depicted and it's the way the film is shot, I think. Mm. That's just me. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's your next note? He said, hoping Max <laughs> had one. <laughs> no, no. There is some of I, I, the final sequence, which is turns into a chase scene. Yeah. Is very strange. That's the other thing we also quote that I still enjoy is the cab ride with uh, Irwin, the cab driver. Who you know, Dracula hypnotizes him? Says this. 
is take the Cross Bronx Expressway. Yes, master. I mean, mister. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I remember that. I, I didn't, I, yeah. I remember that now. <laughs> I also yeah, love the, the fact the that uh, Dracula has updated and now has the power to control Checker Marathons. <laughs> yeah. That's sure. Hey, greatest car ever. <laughs> I love those cars. And one of the things, as you pointed out, that uh, Cindy Sonheim, I was saying she's fairly passive at one point, and Dracula is fine with that, except at the end, when he is offering her the choice to become a vampire mm. so that they can escape together. And she says, you'll have to tell me what to do, which is oddly reminiscent, by the way, of Ilsa. In, she wolf uh, of the SS? <laughs> no, in, in Casablanca, <laughs> who says, you'll have to do the thinking for both of us. And he says... You must make the choice. Mm. He, he tans the power right back to her. I, th I think it's also quoted in Ilsa, She Wolf of the SS. I'm nearly positive. I think you're wrong. I, I think <laughs> hey, you're wrong and silly. Hey, which of us has seen silly. that movie? <laughs> That's not something to brag about. You want to see the bruise? <laughs> <laughs> but again, yes. there's some stuff that undercuts her. Like she says, sometimes I think a career to a woman is like fooling around to a man. Yeah, that was I didn't, I didn't care yeah, for that because yeah, of course no again, woman is ever serious about what she wants to do and yeah yeah again BS. this was very seventies yeah there, there, again I was happy that there was some advancement there even if it wasn't a hundred percent at least there mm -hmm. I, I like the fact that she decides what she wants and it's like hey you know what women should have every right to have sex as, as much as they want and not have it mean anything it's fun mm -hmm. good for her yeah yep <laughs> by the way thinking of culturally centered there's also some historical stuff. At one point, there's a blackout in the city. Mm. And right before it happens, Lieutenant Ferguson, he sees the lights dim and he goes, please God, not again. Yeah. He's referring very likely to the great New York blackout in 1977, which yeah. would have you know been right around when this film was being pitched. And almost certainly had people wandering around selling flashlights for $20. <laughs> oh, yeah. And looting. There was a lot yeah, of that. The New York true. blackout was the first day one was okay. Day two got bad. Well, that's right around the time when New York was really hitting its, like, the, the pits. Yeah. It was, yeah. It, it had been, it had, how many times did it go bankrupt? I can't remember. Twice? I At least twice. But and like, the, it, yeah, the crime problem was out of control. It, and it's utterly unimaginable now but there were parts of manhattan that literally looked like they'd just been through a war manhattan yeah. where you could yeah you can't walk now without paying twenty dollars <laughs> yes yes it basically you it, you can't afford to stand on the sidewalk in manhattan anymore yeah so that's what that was all about what was with the shriner disguise that rosenberg uses to get into dracula's hotel i don't know i didn't understand it's like it's a hotel you could just walk in i think it's because fez is funny Yes, he gets to wear a fez and shorts, so we get to see he looks silly in a fez and has very skinny legs. Yeah. yeah very, <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. What else you got? I'm out. <laughs> well, the cop handing the civilian his gun, that doesn't happen, come on. Probably. I also do like Renfield noti notifying his master that the sun is about to come up by leaning out the window and yelling cock-a-doodle-doo like a rooster. Yeah, that happened. I, th I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, I think, uh, I th I think I've got, I'm good. Why don't we get to the roundup? The roundup. So, Max. Yes. You saw this by holding a videotape up to the light when you were a kid. I, I, yes, we, well, we used a candle and projected it onto the cave wall. Used your give-a-show projector. Exactly. Um, ooh, deeper. Max, what did yeah. you think of Love at First Bite? When I was young, I thought this movie was freaking hilarious. I thought it was like one of the funniest ones of my time. Nowadays... It still makes me laugh at points. I think there are some still some funny moments, but overall, I'm not sure it hangs together. It's very, very dated. And that's not, you know, it's one thing to have like, oh, look at how old-fashioned this comedy is. Look how old-fashioned this movie is. That's fine. But this is, wow, if you didn't know the 70s, a lot of this would not work at all. A lot, And a, some of it does not. And it's not just because uh, the... It's racist or sexist. Of course it was. It's 50 years ago. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's silly to object to that. It's, it's there. It's, it's in the warp and woof of the society and of, and of the, the film industry. And we need to acknowledge it, but it, we don't need to get outraged by it because we know it. It's, it's not a surprise. 
I don't believe this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but some of it is still very funny. And I have to say, some of the stuff with Dracula is almost touching. I actually like when he's drunk and he's complaining about his life and saying, how would you like to go around dressed only as a head waiter? Like, like how much I, he wants to go to dinner wearing a sports jacket and a turtleneck and he wants to eat Malamars. The Malamars, I can understand. What is stopping him from wearing different clothing? I was going to ask you. <laughs> doesn't make any, that part just doesn't make sense. And he ne it's funny, he's complaining. He never complains about the fact that he, you know, can't go out in daylight. That's that's not even, that doesn't seem to be a real problem to him. Well, he loves the nightlife. He's got to boogie. He does. He's got to boogie. <laughs> and I do like, you know, uh, Cindy says when he says, you know, we can, only, we can only go out at night. And she goes, uh, you know, it's not a problem. I can never get my mm, together before seven anyway. I'm sure now I don't have to beep yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What about you? you? You've seen it this, this at least the second time you've seen it. How does it hold up for you? Well, my first note was horrifically unfunny. Oh. Um, second was movie is honestly boring. Uh, I Movie feels bargain basement. Oh, it's an American international film. <laughs> so dull. I didn't laugh once. I don't oh. think this movie is funny at all. Dear. I think that l this feels like a movie that was made because George Hamilton... One of the producers, by the way, never yep. a good sign, was making fun of uh, Bella Lugosi's accent with his buddies around the pool, probably after having a few drinks. That's what this feels like. I think any humor that comes out of it is literally coming from Artie Johnson. And that's because of Artie Johnson and who he is. And he was managed to somehow wring a smile out of me here and there. None of it makes sense. There is no tension at all. We never for an instant think that there's a chance that Cindy is going to go with or wants to go with Dr. Jeff, nor should she. Mm. So the fact that she ends up deciding to go with Dracula is not only not a surprise, it doesn't seem like there was any reason for her not to, ever. Mm. Like, okay, hey, would you like to have uh, a whole bunch of money and live the life you always wanted to and no one giving you any trouble? Or do you want to go out with Richard <laughs> Benjamin, <laughs> who you owe $7,000? <laughs> oh, what will I do? No, there's no... T and he's a terrible vampire. The only person he ever bites is her. Yeah. He rips off a blood bank. <laughs> like, oh, why no, he, isn't he, he biting bite, he people? Bites, he bites a drunk. Yeah, but like, that's it. Apparently, he bites other people too because uh, the detective brings uh, the newspaper says there were four other victims. Yeah, but, but he we died. We never see it. No, the, he yeah, can't even get done. rid of a bureaucrat from his own house. He's a yeah, terrible he's, Dracula. Terrible. He's the least impressive Dracula we've seen. I, it, the film is very dated. It mm. is. It's so stuck in its time. The way it's shot, the what it depicts. I yeah. I really hated the fact that they were making fun of Roots, and not in a clever way. Just in a, oh, you're black. You, I can talk about Roots, or it's just. It was awful. It was ham-fisted and dumb. And I know why I liked it when I was fourteen. Um, it would appeal to have appealed to me at that point. At this mm -hmm. point, I, I now know why it's really hard to find. Uh, nobody's literally looking for it. No. Ah, well, should. I'm sorry you disliked it so yeah. much. I still had some fun with it. I don't know how... The problem is I'm not sure how much of it was nostalgia and how much of it is actually enjoying. But some of it I really do like. Well, good. I'm glad that you did. Yeah. But you know what else we uh, like? What do we like? We like it when people answer our poll question, but we can only yes. have them do that if they know what it is. So tell them, won't yeah. you? Hang on. I'm trying to follow your twisted logic there. <laughs> they have Tell to them the yep, yep, I think you're right. I think you're right. They do have to know the question before they can answer it, but I am going to have to check the math on that. But our, our poll question is just, what is your favorite vampire movie from any era? You know, all of them. What do you like the most? What, do you, what would you watch more than once? Mm. And now we reveal the secret of how to respond. <laughs> Secret. Mm -hmm. I mean, the secret I'm... we've given away 272 times before this one, that secret? That's the bunny. <laughs> and it is, of course, you can email us at us at maxmikemovies.com. You can go to maxmikemovies.com and leave a comment. Uh, you can also uh, give us suggestions for movies we should do, even series we should do. You can 
comment on Mike's terrible taste in clothing. You can comment on Mike's strange body odor. You can comment on Mike Mike's annoying, annoyingly squeaky voice. You can comment on- Finally something they might actually be able to comment on, you dimwit. <laughs> And so forth. <laughs> you can find us, of course, on the Book of Facing uh, under Max Mike Max Mike Movies. Sai. We always post the poll question there. We and of course we yes for 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 now <laughs> as we watch Facebook slowly sink into the sea. Yeah, how about Blueski? Anybody out there like Blueski? Should we be on Blueski? Yeah, or, or Mastodon something. Yeah, let us know. He's still asking mm-hmm. for for that part. Hey, what other social yeah. media do you use? If any. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, and uh, no, we're not dancing on TikTok. Would you like us to directly email you? Do you want to be part mm-hmm. of a list? Let us know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you can also, of course, find our show on virtually every podcast app created by humans and several aliens. And for humans. But next week, we're still asking, what's so funny? And here we're to this one is going to be from a suggestion given to us by a couple of people. This is a movie Ooh. neither Mike nor I have seen. No. It is called Seven Psychopaths. Uh, that's funny. And of course, there was, there was the sequel, Six Psychopaths A-Laying, and then Five Psychopaths. Max, Max, you're doing four the prequels. Four Psychopaths, Three yep. Psychopaths, No, those are the prequels. The sequel oh, was oh, Eight crap. Psychopaths. Man, oh, I can't I believe you missed so. that. Well, well, if you'd like to hear Max miss other things, why don't you tune in next week when we tackle Seven Psychopaths. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Wait, wait, what? Dracula blows it! I'm going to have fun on Sunday. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Maybe I'll just leave it in. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah, this is what people want to hear. (laughs) My phlegm! (laughs) (laughs) The phlegm is (laughs) okie-dokie.